Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf vov. Um, it's also a Purim Katan. Um, today's shir is for a refuah shleima of Chaychaika Bas Boba Mechla and for a refuah shleima of Miriam Yitzchak, Yitzchak Yehuda Ben Miriam and um, Zalman Mordechai Ben Mira. May they have a complete and speedy recovery. Um, the, yesterday, just one note, an interesting discussion that's on the last story we, were, we read yesterday, is remember Rebbe and Rebbe Chia went to visit, went to a town, and they said, we better visit the Rav of the town. And uh, they heard that the Rav of the town was blind, so Rebbe Chia told Rebbe, you know what, why don't you stay here and I'll go myself? What difference should it make? It sounds like at first they were totally happy to go and Rebbe, and they both felt it was appropriate to go visit the Rav of the town. And Rebbe, um, and then Rebbe decided, and then when they heard that the Rav of the town was blind, they decided, Rebbe here felt, Rebbe, it's beneath your dignity as the Nasi to come and visit him. So what difference does it make? So I think on the one subtle aspect is you have to look as when you show a Rav covered, who's the honor for? If he can't see you showing him the honor, maybe there is no aspect of showing that honor. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, just something interesting. We see there's definitely a difference in the covered for a Rav who can see and appreciate the honor that he's being given. And for a Rav that's... Uh, um, and a Rav who can't. Okay, but let's go on to the new sugya. Yeah? So we're going to go from about the... Eighth last line of Hamud Bay's five B and let me wasn't there. Yeah, Rav Idi. So it says Ravidi Avud Rabbi Yaakov Bar Idi. Rav Idi the son of Rabbi Yaakov Idi. Have a rocket to have a Ozil Tlasi Yarche Burcha Vachad Yuma Bevay Rav. Used to travel three months to spend one day in the Yeshiva. And then obviously it'd have to go back. So the Korile Rabbonan, Barbeirav de Chadyuma. So the sages call him Barbeirav de Chadyuma, um, a sage of one day. Oh, uh, a one day yeshiva student. That's what they used to call him. So Cholash Dhate Korean Afshe is Choiklereo Eyeva Gomer. And he was very, uh, he got very upset and despondent and he called himself, he said about himself, the Pasuk, that uh, he'll become the. What the, the the laughing the the bat of jokes of his friends? Rabbi Yochanan said, "I beg of you, don't bring punishment on the rabbis. I know that they're mocking you, and if you mock a Talmud Chacham or as someone for their Torah learning, it will bring about punishment. But I beg of you, don't forgive them. And you know what? I'm going to go give a drosha to explain that their behaviour is." Unacceptable. Says Nofak Rabbi Yochanan Lebei Midrash of the Dorash. Rabbi Yochanan walked into the base Midrash and he said the following Drosha. Says Vaisi Yom Yom Yidrashun. They seek me out every single day. Medas Drochai Yechapetzun and they desire to know my ways. Says Vachi Biyom Dorshin Oso Velayla Endorshin Oso. That pasuk doesn't make sense. What we seek out Hashem during the day? What, but not during the night? Says El Eloim Elocho. It's rather coming to tell you. Time to tell her that if you seek out Hashem for even one day of the year, 
the Torah views it as if you delved into Torah the whole year. And we find the opposite with punishment. To see as it's written, they were punished for 40 years for spying, and it says, in Kor- according to the days which you spied out the land. What do you mean they spied out the land for 40 days? It doesn't make sense. Sorry, did they? It says that they got punished for according to the days that they spied out. But did they spy out where they spied for forty years? It was just forty days. So someone does an aver even for one day, but shone out of the year. The Torah views it as if he. Um, as if he transgressed the whole year. I think the simple chat in what's going on is, um, it's not only about the time that you spend doing what you build your life around. It's the fact that you build your life around it. So this Talmud, yeah, he spent one day learning out of the whole year. Traveled three months to learn a day, traveled three months home and obviously had to do some other stuff for the rest of the year. Um, or maybe it was, he got, but again, what, it's not that, so, so if you look at that in, its, in isolation, yeah, he just learned for one day. But on the other hand, if you look at the dedication and the whole structure of his life was to, um, um, was to learn for Torah, he dedicated six months just to be able to learn for one day. So we counted as if he learned the whole year. I think same with the slaves, with the spas. They dedicated their lives to undermine Hashem, to uh, evilness. Again, not so much they dedicated life, but their whole trip was dedicated to um, to evilness. And therefore, and based on a lack of emuna, so that counts as if they spent each day, it's as if they spent a whole year focused in lack of emuna. And I think it's a little bit of musar for us. What are we spending our days are we living from day to day to be able to go on holiday? Are we living from day to day to be able to um, spend uh, money? Are we living from day to day? You know, what what are we living our day to day lives for that it would count as when we do get to do that act? That would be viewed as our whole life, as the whole year. So what uh, something to uh, think about. Okay, now we're going back on to the Mishnah mentioned. Um, remember we said that a uh, katan is exempt from going up to Oilas for Re'ir, for going up to the base Amitash on the Shalosh Rekalim. That was the Mishnah. And it says, Ezu Katan, Kol Sh'ena Yochol Lichov Al-Khefashel Oviv. Be'i said, it's any child who's not able to sit on his father's shoulders and go up to Yerushalayim for the um, for, for the day. So, and then Be'i came along and he said, no, it's any child who's not able to walk up holding his father's hand. I'm a little bit older. He says, Matke floor Ebizaira. Ebizaira challenged us. He said, Ad hacha man asya. Up until here, up until Yerushalayim, who brought him? I, he had to be able to get to Yerushalayim. Wherever he lived, he lived in Johannesburg, he lived in Tel Aviv, wherever. He had to be able to get to Yerushalayim. So any child that could get a journey from wherever they're staying to Yerushalayim could definitely manage 
to go a few hours with their father up until the base up to the base Amigdash, from Yerushalayim to the base Amigdash. So we must be speaking about a child that's a bit older anyway. We're not speaking about a child who, how old can a child start riding on their father's uh, um, their father's shoulders? They bring about a year, probably even some a bit younger. So one year old. How long, um, how old would a child need to be to hold his father's hands and walk? I don't know, when do children start walking about a year? So what, 18 months, 24, you know, he can already go up. So this kid, to be able to get to Yerushalayim, I leave his mother for a few days, must be much older than either of those ages. So why are we giving such a low age? And I, you know, who got him up to Yerushalayim? So No, to get him to Yerushalayim, well, his mother is obligated in Simcha, in celebrating and enjoying the Yom Tov. So his mother brings him. But regarding going further than Jerusalem, I up to the base of Mitash. But, and from then onwards, if he's able to hold his father's hand and get up to go from Yerushalayim to Arabais with his father, then he would be chayv. If not, he is young, he's too young, and he would not be obligated. So, very interesting. Um, yeah, no, obviously, the, the thing is, his mother's obligated in Simcha on the simple level. We know that what Simcha on Yom Tov, the ultimate celebration of Simcha, is with the, the korban, eating from the flesh of a korban. Um, and the mother is also obligated to enjoy Yom Tov, and therefore she's going to go up to Yerushalayim anyway, to be with her husband and celebrate Yom Tov. And you can only eat korbanos in Yerushalayim. So she's going to go up to Yerushalayim because of that. Once she's up, well then, can her son survive without her for a few? Can her son manage without her, without her for a few hours and go with his father up to the base of Mikdash? That would be the determining age. Um, interesting enough, it's Abayi here. Yeah? Abayi also says, is the, there's, a, there's, inter, there's a question. Is the mitzvah of Simchas Yom Tov on the mother, on the woman, or on the husband? What do I mean? Abayi actually learns that the mitzvah is on the husband to enable or make his wife celebrate Yom Tov. There isn't a mitzvah to actually, uh, there isn't a mitzvah to, for a woman to, to make herself enjoy Yom Tov. There's a mitzvah on the husband to make her enjoy Yom Tov. So the woman doesn't have to go up to Yerushalayim. But I think the simple, and the Rishonim already discussed this. Why are we saying that a woman is chayav in Simcha? A bai is saying that she must go up to Yerushalayim for Simcha? She doesn't have to. But again, what's most likely going to happen is if the husband's going up to Yerushalayim for the festival, he's going to encourage his wife to come along, make it a nice holiday, make it a special Yom Tov, and have korbonos to, uh, for her to have joy. Okay, carrying on. He says, Hey, Shiv Rebbe Tachas Beisil, the Div Shama. Rebbe gave the answer on behalf of Beis Hillel, says, also, this is Bahana. remember Chana was Shmuel's mother, she went to the Beis Amitash, the famous Tfilah of Chana, and she was blessed with a son, and then Elkanah also, come up to the Mishkan, come up to Shiloh with me, this was in the, well, semi-Beis Amitash, but the Mishkan was in Shiloh, and she said, also, ki omra leisha, anar says, no, I'm not going to come up to Yerushalayim with you, or to Shiloh with you, until, 
I've weaned the boy, and then I'll bring him. Shmuel must have been. But Tommy was weaned. They used to wean their children at 24 months. But Tommy was weaned. He definitely was able to ride his shoulders, fathers for a, his father's shoulders for a few months. From the age of, as we said, about a year, a child can balance on their father's shoulders. He says, no, Rabbi Shimon Gabriel said to him, said to Rabbi, well, you can ask your question on Chana herself. How could she stay at home? Wasn't she obligated to go to Shiloh to celebrate and enjoy Yom Tov? Chana realized that Shmuel was extra delicate. And she was worried of the weakness and the health ramifications of traveling with Shmuel. So she would say, no, Shmuel's exempt. I can't go up with the boy. Because he's too young to travel, he's a bit sickly, he's a bit weak, so it would be bad for him to travel, and therefore I'm going to stay at home with him. And that's what happened. But you, you can't bring a proof from there that um, that the child has to be able to walk because Shmuel is different, he was weaker. Okay, boy, Rabbi Shimon. What's that halacha regarding a mana who's lame, according to Beishamai? Or a summa, a blind person, according to both of them. Obviously, according to Beishelel, the child has to be able to hold his father's hand and walk up. So a, a lame child would not would not have to go up. But a blind child, child according to base of both of them. What's the question? Tosas explained it a bit clearer. He says, the case is where they will, as we'll see. Let's see. He says, hey, Chidam, what's the case? Ilay mebuchin ha'shayinu yochel hispashet v'summa shayinu yochel hispateach hash the god potu katami boy. He says, if you want to say it's a child who's lame and he will never recover, or he's blind and he'll never recover, he'll never be able to see again. Well, the adult, an adult in that stage would not have to go up to the festival, so obviously the child doesn't. Remember, why does the child have to do Aliyah Leregel? Why does the child have to go up to the Beis Amikdash? Chinuch, to teach him in doing the mitzvah. As an adult, as we've seen, a lame person or a blind person does, never has to go up to the Beis Amikdash. So you don't train the child to do that because they're not obligated. He will never have to do it. So we must be discussing a, a lame person who will recover. He will be able to walk. And a blind person who will be able to see. And Tosfos, I think it was Tosfos, I'm trying to think where it says, yeah, said that. And obviously they're going to recover before they're 13. I, because if this child is only going to recover when he's much older, well then, again, you're training to do something that he'll be potter in. So, we, so it must be that by 13. So now, as he is theoretically his potter. But on the other hand, maybe you want to train him so he knows how to do the mitzvah, which he will have to do when he's 13 because he will hopefully have recovered. So very, very interesting question. Are we looking at, at, uh, are we looking at Chinuch and saying, well, as he is now, would he be obligated? When he's an adult, which as we know, he would not be because at the moment he's blind and lame or lame. But or do we say chinuch is no, we just want him to be to know how to do the mitzvahs for when he's an adult. So he says, my, what's thy loch? So if an adult would be obligated in the mitzvah from the Torah law, then we teach the child. We train the child to do Midraboran. Kolaikha the Godel Potter Midraisa. If the Godel would have been exempt Midraisa, Midraboran Katinam and Potter will enter Rabon and he's also exempt from the mitzvah of Chinuch. So here, if he was an adult, 
Would he be obligated? No. So therefore, as a child, he's also not obligated. This is a very interesting discussion regarding Chiruch. Um, teaching a child to do a mitzvah has to be done in the correct way. In the same way that an adult would do it. And they, they discuss how far do you have to take it. One example is, it creates complications on the first day of Sukkot. Is we know that you have to own the lulav. But now if you give something to a child, a child can't give it back. They're not able to affect a Kenyan. You can acquire something on behalf of a child so you can give him a lulav. But he can't affect a Kenyan and give it back to you. He can't make a matona. So how do you get the matona? So, so, if, so you don't want to give your lulav to your child, your son, because then you can't use it for the mitzvah on the first day. Because he can't give it back and you have to own it. So the question, so should you lend him the lulav? But then he, if he was lent a lulav, he wouldn't fulfill the mitzvah. So you train him to do the mitzvah in the incorrect way. It would be similar, not as extreme, but similar to giving him a lemon instead of an esrog. So that's a, 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 the same question comes up. Can you let children walk around with possible tzitzis? They're not aware how many strings they have. They're not aware that the strings have to be a certain length. So they think they're doing the mitzvah of tzitzis and they're trained to do the mitzvah of tzitzis. But you're training them in the incorrect way. Similar so, yeah, here, this lame kid, when he's an adult, he'll do it properly. He'll be able to see and he'll die. But now he can't. So, I mean, uh, that's an uh, interesting discussion in Chiruch. Does it have to be the exact way that an adult would fulfill the mitzvah or not? Okay, carrying on. We said in the Mishnah that, again, to Araisa, there's no specific value that your korbanos, your korban chagiga, and your korban re'iyah have to be. Was it... Um, but, Beishamai came along and said, the re'iyah must be two ma'or, and the chagiga one ma'or. And Basil came the other way around and said, no, the re'iyah must just has to be one ma'or, and the chagiga should be two ma'or. I, uh, a value. So, Beishamim Omrim Ariyash Tei Kesef V'chulu Ton Rabbonin We learned in the Brisa Beishamim Omrim Ariyash Tei Kesef V'chagiga Mo'or Kesef Re'iyah must be two Kesef and the Chagiga just one Kesef Now it gives two two reasons Shari'iyah Oile Kula Lugvoa Masha Enkein V'chagiga The Re'iyah is completely burnt on the Mizbeach It's more Kodosh which is not the same as the Chagiga The Chagiga is a Shlobim which means most of it goes to the owners Um, a second reason we found on Shvuas that many more burnt offerings were offered than Shlomim we see again the Shtalechem was offered with multiple Korbanas but many more of them were Oilas must be Oilas are more important so that's basically two reasons basically no Hariyah more Kesef Chagiga Shtay Kesef Shachagiga Yeshona Lifnei Hadibur Masha'en Kem Beriyah basically I'll say no you, the Chagiga is more important. Firstly, there was an old, the Chagiga was offered before this Chagiga, the celebration Chagiga was offered before the Matan Torah, before the Torah was given. Why? Just before Matan Torah, which was considered a festival, Matan Torah was going up to see Hashem. They went to Har Sinai to see Hashem. It was the same going up to the base of Migdash to see Hashem. So, um, and there were Shlomim. The Pasuk says they were offered Shalmei Chagiga. Um, as it says, Bamidbar. Remember, Moshe told Paro, we want to go, and Chag in the have a festival in the desert. But remember, Chag means bring Korban Chagiga. So the Korban Chagiga was even brought before Matan Torah. See how important it is. 
says for other and a second reason motzinu benosim sheriba bohem akosah b'shobim yosem iba oilos when the nosim were offering their korbanos as dedication in the inauguration of the base of the mishkan they offered many more shlomim than oilos so we see another reason that shlomim are more important and therefore when you just Splitting out the funds, you should spend more on the Chagiga. Okay, Why don't Basilo say like Beishama? Beishama had two good reasons. So, firstly, to call this that Beishama said that the Re'iya, the burnt offering, is more important because it goes completely to Hashem. He says, There's an aspect of the Chagiga which is more significant is that it's a Korban eaten by both the Bizbach and B'nai Israel and the owners. So that gives it an added significance. It has to, it's, it's got two mitzvahs tied into it. With a call my Nailif Matzeris, and this that Beishamai said, learn from Matzeris. He says, Don in Korban Yochin, me Korban Yochin, but ain't Don in Korban Yochin, me Korban Tibur. That's a communal offering. So we would rather learn about an individual's offering, I bringing a Korban Chagiga from another individual's offerings, the Nasim bringing their offerings, than we would from a communal offering. Well, Beishamai. My time in Omri Kabeisilil. Why do Beishama not learn like Beisilil? So we can answer to call man chagiga difediyes no lifnei adibur yenami yesh no lifnei adibur. Well, you said Beisilil. You said that the reason the chagiga is so we see it so important is because it was offered before Har Sinai. Well, actually, Beishama say this reir bringing burnt offerings as a festival offering to Hashem. We're also as a, as a yeah as when you come and see Hashem. We're also offered before. Before the giving of the Torah. Oh, to come on, Nalef Menesim, Don in Tovar and Noiglatoris, me Dover and Noiglatoris. But ain't Don in Tovar and Noiglatoris, me Dover Shaid and Noiglatoris. He says, Yo, you said we should rather learn from the Nesim, and they brought more Chagigas. Well, I would rather learn from Shvuas, because Shvuas supplies the Korbanos offered on Shvuas supply for all generations. Whereas the Nesim were once off Korbanos at the inauguration. So I have a choice of seeing what's more important, Shlomim or Oilas. Oilos seem to be more important because by Shvuas, which applies for all times, you give more Oilos than the Nesim, which were once off. Okay, so that's the uh, that's discussion. We see that each have two good reasons why you should, um, which one's more important. Beisham have two reasons why Re'ir is more important, and Beis Hillel have two reasons why Chagiga is more important. Now the one says, Beis Hillel. Remember, Beis Hillel's one reason was that the Chagiga was offered when they arrived at Har Sinai before Matan Torah, and the Re'iyah wasn't. The burnt offering wasn't. At Beis Shammai said it also was. So Beis Hillel, Mashlach HaGigah Deyashu Lifnei Adibur Zvachim Shlomim. Where do Beis Hillel get that they offered the Chagigah before Har Sinai? Because the Pasuk says, Vayiz Bechu Zvachim Shlomim. Re'iyah Nami Hoxi Vayalu Olas. But that same Pasuk says, Vayalu Olas, they offered Olas. So we see that they offered Olas, and they offered Shlomim. So why does Beis Hillel say that Shlomim is the important one? So Kosovri Beis Hillel, Oila Shikru Vishra Bamidbar, Oila Tomit Havai. He says, no, Beis Hillel, oh, that wasn't an Oila Re'ia, that wasn't a burnt offering because they came to Arsinai and were going to see Hashem. That was a burnt offering, that was the daily Tomit offering, it was a different Korban. So there's no proof. So again, so when they arrived at Har Sinai, obviously they had to offer the daily offering, but regarding arriving at Har Sinai and this concept of Going to the base Amikdash, going to a holy place. Which korban did they bring? Shlomim, not Re'ia. So you see that Shlomim is more important. Oh, Beishamah Sovri, Beishamah hold Oile Sheikribu Yisrael, but Midbar Oile Re'ia. No, that burnt offering that they offered was actually an Oile Re'ia. 
So both Oilos and Shlomim were offered at before Matantara, Bahar Sinai, and therefore neither are a good neither would be we wouldn't learn out either as being more significant from there. So again, very interestingly, we know that the Posak says when they arrived at Har Sinai and they sent the youth to go and offer Korbanos, seems the Bukhars, because at that time they were the Kohanim, and it says they've offered up Oilos and they offered up Shlomim. According to base Shammai, those were both Re'ia for appearing because they were going to see Hashem's presence. And according to Basil, no, the Oilus Re'ia were the Tomid, the daily offering, and the Shlomim, that was the Chagiga. So The following three opinions Beit Shammai, Rebbe, Elazar, and Rebbe Shmuel all hold that the Oilus offered in the base, in the, in the desert that we're discussing, was the Oilus Re'ia. Hold that it was a korban tamid, not a oilariya. Says Beishamai. Now we're going to go through each of those opinions and show where we see it. So Beishamai, hold on, Beishamai. As we've said, we just learned that Beishamai learned that the oilariya that it was a oilariya. Says Rabbi Yishmol, the Tanya, as we learned in the following price, Rabbi Yishmol, I'm a klanos named Rabbi Sinai. It was only the general principles said at Har Sinai who protest ba'al moiv, and the specifics were said later on. Let's just see. Rashi explains it very. He explains it later. So he says. Um, it's the last Rashi on the previous page on Vova Mudalev. It says, There were many things that were said um, and they were still a little bit secret. They weren't to- the matter wasn't totally explained. That they weren't completely explained. And then they were explained to Moshe on the oil moed. For example, on Har Sinai, he wasn't explained the complete way to do the Avoida, to do the temple service, the, Bishka, the service in the Bishkan. All that was said on Bahar Sinai was, You will make a Mizbech of earth and you will offer on it Oilos and Shlomim. And that doesn't say how. And, but it, they weren't explained how to apply the blood to the Mizbech, skinning them and cutting up into the piece, the specials, cutting up into the pieces of the oiler, of the burning of the fats of the Shlomim. None of that was explained. So what do we see? Um... When they and then over the page when they set up the Mishkan, that's when Hashem went and told them all the details. So almost on Har Sinai, Moshe wasn't told everything; he was told some of the details. And therefore, um, we will come to that. Very bikiva oimek klalos proprotos neim rubet Sinai. V'nishnu ba'ayl moed v'nishlal shalu ba'arvus moed. No, Rabbi Kiva says every single point that we find in the Chumash was said on Har Sinai. Just wasn't written out, and the details were said repeated. By the Mishkan, from the oil Moed, that's the Mishkan, and they were repeated a third time in the plains of Moav. That's Sefer Tvarim. It says, Now, Now, if you want to say that the oilers that they offered in the Midbar, I before Matan Torah, was a Tomid, would you have anything that switches from the way you did it? I, what's going to happen? They're going to offer the Tomid as they think it should be offered. And then in a few months time when they built the Mishkan, they're going to find out a different way that they have to offer it. So it doesn't make sense that they would change. 
So it must be it was an oilaria, a personal offering. So that's uh, the source that um, Rabbi Shmuel holds like that it was a Re'iyah and not a Tomid. Because again, he holds that they didn't know how to offer a Tomid and a Tomid, a, a specific and obligatory sacrifice, would not have, they wouldn't have done it if they didn't know the full details because they wouldn't change in the middle. Says Rabbi Lezer, where do we see that Rabbi Lezer also holds that? The Tanya, as we learned in a Braisa, Oilos Tomid Hasuya Bahar Sinai. The oil of Tomit that was done at Har Sinai. Rabbi Lezer, Oimeri Mase Nemru Basinai, Vihi Atzma Loi Korva. Rabbi Lezer says they were told about it on Har Sinai, but they didn't actually um, offer it. Rather, it was, oh, but doesn't the Possuk say that they did oilos? No, that was the oilos Re'ir that they did. Says Rabbi Akiva, Oimeri Rabbi Akiva says, Korva Vishuloi Paska. No, they started offering the Tomit and they never stopped. And what about the Pasuk which actually criticized Ben Israel and said, Did you offer all these Korbanas for me in the desert? I, this Pasuk is saying that they did not bring Korbanas. So how can you come along Rabbi Kiva and say that they offered the Korbanas for all 40 years? Remember we learned in Mohed Katan that they were actually in excommunication in the desert. Hashem never spoke to them for the 40 years. So it seems according to this opinion, they also didn't offer Korbanas during the 40 years. So he says, no, No, the tribe of Levi, which were not involved in Avodah Zorah, they weren't, weren't in excommunication and they could offer up these Korbanas in the desert. So the Tomid was started, according to Rabbi Akiva, the Tomid was started by Har Sinai and it continued all for the 30 years. Um, again, Rabbi Eleazar says, um, the mitzvah of the Tomid was taught to them on Har Sinai, but they only started offering it much later. But So why are we bringing it? So that's Rabbi Eliezer, where we see that he holds that the, what offering must have been brought by Har Sinai, we say there was a burnt offering, must have been the Olas Re'ir, like the festival Ola that the, you see when you go to be in the presence of Hashem, to the base of Mikdash, and not the... Um, and not the daily offering, because that was only taught to them later. So Basila, now we're going to go to the other side. So these were three opinions that hold that the offering at Har Sinai, the oil at Har Sinai, was Oilus Re'ir, the same that you would go when you go to the Beis Hamidash on a festival. And then we're going to see the three stages who say that, no, it was a Tomid. Beis Hillel, Omrim, Beis Hillel, as we said earlier, Beis Hillel learned that it was only Shlomim was the Shamay Chagig, and the Oilus was the Tomid. Rabbi Yakiva, Ha'anamri, Omran, Rabbi Yakiva, as we just said, we brought Rabbi Yakiva says, no, they started offering the Tomid, Bahar Sinai, and they never ever stopped. They carried on. All through the 40 years. And obviously into Eretz Yisrael and into the base Midrash. Rabbi Yossi Aglili, the Tanya, Rabbi Yossi Aglili as follows. The Tanya we learned in Rice, Rabbi Yossi Aglili Omer. Shalosh mitzvahs nistavu Yisrael ba'ala sam l'regel ri'a v'chagig v'simcha. The three mitzvahs that B'nai Yisrael are commanded in when he goes up to the festival. Remember this, we did we did the overview from the Rambam when we started the Masechta. There's the re'ia, those are the burnt offerings that are completely burnt on the Mizbeach. There's the Chagiga, the Korban Shlomim that you bring every day of the festival, and Simcha, a festival, the, the offerings that you eat every day to, to celebrate the festival, as we said, remember the Somachto, you have to be happy, and um, that's with eating the meat of a Korban. Now it says, Yesh 
שאין בשתיים ויש בחגיגה, שאין בשתיים ויש בשמחה, שאין בשתיים. They each have an aspect that you don't find by the other ones. says, יש בריאה שאין בשתיים, what do you have see by ראייה that you don't have? שהראייה אוילה, כולל לגבוה מה שאין כן בשתיהם. The ראייה, the korban in the category of ראייה, is a burnt offering, an אולה. It's completely burnt on the mizbeach, unlike the... other two sacrifices. Yesh b'chagiga sh'ein b'shtayim there's a mitzvah of the chagiga that's not by two of them. Sh'chagiga yeshona lifnei adibur b'sh'ein k'mishlem. The chagiga was offered before at Har Sinai which is not so by the other two. The other two are later. Now this is the important point for us because we see what does Rabbi Yishmael hold? That the chagiga was offered at Matan Torah but not the re'ir. Either the not, yeah, but the, the oiler that was said by Matan Torah must have been a tomid according to Rebbe Lezer. That's the important point for us, but let's just finish this point. The mitzvah simcha, the korban that you bring for simcha, are, women are also obligated in just as men, which is not so by the re'ir and the chagiga. The re'ir, remember we learned at the beginning, it says, calls a churcha, all your males, only people who go up to the base of Migdash, to appear in the temple, have to bring this korban, not woman. Um, yeah, well, it says males, excluding females, and the chagiga, that's the, yeah, is the same as that. Whereas simcha, women are also obligated in simcha, so this korban they would also be obligated in. Okay, so now we've mentioned those opinions. Now we're just going to reanalyze Rabbi Shmuel. We wanted to say that Rabbi Shmuel held like by Shammai, that the offering by Matan Torah was a oilos re'ia. Not an oilish, and a, a oilish, yeah. And the logic we gave was because Rabbi Shmuel says that um, only the general principles were taught on Har Sinai and the details were taught to Moshe in the Mishkan. So, he, so we said, if you're only going to offer the general ones, um, if they're going to start offering a Korban Tomid then, They're going to have to change it when they find out all the details, like how to cut it into specific limbs, and how, how to skin it, how to cut it into specific limbs. So those things are all going to change. So why would it, you start offering the Tomid when you're going to have to change how you're doing it? It's inconceivable. That's what we brought as the proof for Rabbi Shmuel, that it must have been an Euler Now what we're going to say is that actually, why can't it change? If you have X information from Hashem, so you do the Korban as you understand it. Or if you get more information at a later date, so then you modify it. And we're going to see a proof that that is actually how a certain opinion held. So then we're going to say, so Rabbi Shmuel, so it's not conclusive that Rabbi Shmuel holds like that. So it's Rabbi Shmuel, my timer, why did you learn that basically? Would you have anything? This is the answer we gave there. Why Rabbi Shmuel must be like Beishamai? Because how could you have something that before Matan, before the Ohel Moed, initially you would do it without skinning and cutting it into its limbs, and later on you would change the whole procedure and start doing it with skinning and cutting it into specific pieces. You're not limbs, pieces. So again, that was what we said about Rabbi Shmuel. The reason he must hold it's not a Tomid, but is a Euleria, like Beishamai, was because it can't be that they're going to change the Tomid from initially doing it without Hefshet Vinituach and later on doing it with Hefshet Vinituach. Since that, that's not necessary. What about Rabbi Yossi Aglili? The Omar who said, The oiler that was offered 
by Yisrael in the desert was a Tomid. Tomid Havai. Me'ikora loy boy hefshet v'ni tuach. Ulevasoif boy hefshet v'ni tuach. Initially, when they started offering it at Har Sinai, they didn't do it with skinning and cutting it into specific pieces. And later on, when Hashem told them the details of how to do it, then they started doing it with Hefshet Vini Tuach. We see that Rebbe, we're going to show it in a Brysa now, but we see that Rebbe Yoshi holds, they did change. They started doing it as a Tomid, but they did it in a specific way because Hashem only told them the general principles. Again, on Har Sinai, He told them you have to offer a Tomid. So they knew how to, they could have known to offer a Tomid, and they did that. But, oh, they didn't have all the details. Okay, so that they filled in and corrected it a bit later. It says, where do we see this in a price? Tanya, Rabbi Yosei says, Oila Sheik, Rabbi Yisrael Bamibar, the oil that Yisrael offered up in the desert, Eina Tuuna Hefshet Vinituach, does not require Hefshet Vinituach. Lefish, Ein Hefshet Vinituach, Elamo El Void for Eilech, because they only found out about Hefshet Vinituach once they already built the Mishkan and then onwards. I, again, um, remember the Mishkan was built, I'm trying to think, where they received the Torah on in uh, Sivan, towards the beginning of Sivan, and the Mishkan was only inaugurated the following Nisan. So it's almost 11 months later. Not a full 11 months, um, 10, 10 or so, yeah, almost 11 months later. So, sorry, almost 10 months later. So, Yeah. So, so when did they find? So Rabbi Yossi says at first they were they knew about the tomit and they started offering it. Later at the oil moid when Hashem told them, explained to them all the details, then they fixed that. Um, they adjusted their approach and they started doing that. So again, so you could say the same thing by Rabbi Shmuel. Again, back to the top of the page where we brought Rabbi Shmuel's shita. Opinion. We said that Rabbi Shmuel must agree with Beis Shammai because um, Beis Shammai, Beis Shammai were the ones who said it's a tomid, a tomid. Sorry, Oilas uh, Reir. Uh, and Rabbi Shmuel holds that they weren't commanded in the whole Torah; they were just given the general points, and they were given the details later on. So he said it's inconceivable that they would start doing the tomid in one way, and a fixed obligation from Hashem they would start doing it in one way, and only and later on switch and do it in a different way. That's inconceivable. Must be that um, must be it was a re'ia and not a tomid. So we've just shown that no, that's not true. It is conceivable. There's a very good chance. We know that's exactly how Rabbi Yossi holds. That they started doing it in one way and when they got more information they switched how they did it. So he says, Sami Mikan Rebbe Shmuel. So yeah, you're right, take Rebbe Shmuel out of that list. Okay, but either way, we've seen there are a few opinions. This, they, we know the Possek says that when they got to Har Sinai, they offered Oilos Ushlomim. Doesn't say it exactly like that, but I'm paraphrasing the Possek. Oilos Ushlomim. And we say that the Shlomim were definitely Shalmei Chagiga. And the Oilos Re'ia were a Machloikes. Was it a Re'ia or a Tomid? If you hold that the Re'ia, either same sort of sacrifice, then you end up learning like Beit Shammai, that Re'ia is at least equally as important as a Chagiga, and you're going to have to bring other factors to determine which ones. Remember, this whole discussion is to determine which one's more important, which one should you spend money on, the Re'ia, the burnt offering you take up when you go to the Beit Shammai for the festival, 
or the Chagiga. The Chagiga, the Shlomim offering. Beishamai say the Re'iyah. And Beishil say no, the Shlomim. Okay, just one more point. But Rav Yechizda, hi, Kroh. Rav Yechizda said this Pasuk, I, the one we've been discussing, it ends off with Porim. It's a strange Pasuk. Let me just uh, read you the Pasuk. Um... It says, They offered up oilos and zvachim as shlomim, lahashem, porim of bulls. So he says, Hey, Chiksev, how do we, yeah, when it's written, is it only the zvachim shlomim, the shlomim that were porim, or maybe both the oilos and the shlomim were porim. Again, does this porim go back on the beginning, or does it go back on the, or is it, is it on the whole possible they offered they offered porim as oilas and shlomim, or is it just on the last point, just on the shlomim? Says Lamayin what difference does it make? Whether it was just sheep and goats, or sheep, goats, and porim that were oilas? Says Mazutra Omar the pisuk tamim. He says, how to do the trop? What should the trop be? Rashi explains there's certain trops that are kind of like commas or full stop, and certain trop, you know, the the dots, the there's the two dots, the the diamond, the. Um, I don't know the shape. They each have names and they function as different. They, they actually, the punctuation. So some of them are full stop, some are commas, and some tell us to run it on, read it together with the next phrase. So he, Samazutu so says, if we need to know, does, if Porim goes back on the whole Pasuk, then you shouldn't have, um, Rashi says, an Esnachto or a Zokev Katan, which would imply a pause in the middle. It should rather be uh, one of the others. For example, a pashto or a revir, like a revir. Okay, those are different names of trops. But he says, but or if porim is just going on the end, then it should be a zokayp katan or a esnachta. We have an es, interesting enough. We have a esnachta according to Rashi. Okay, so that's the that's the difference. How to punctuate the pasuk, and how and therefore when you're laning it, when you're reading it in shul, how do you read it? What tune are you doing? There's another nafkamini. If someone says, I promise to give an ola, I take a vow, a neder, to bring an ola like they would in the Mishkan. My, what animal does he have to bring? Says, Porim havu, oikfosim havu. Must he bring bulls or lambs? Okay. If Porim is going back on ola, well then he must bring a bull. But if Porim is just on the shlomim, then the ola would have been lambs. Kind of like the Tomid. The Tomid would have been a lamb. So you can know this question is exa- it could be related. Not 100%, but it could be related to the same Machlokes. It's not definitive, but it could be related to the same Machlokes. Was it a Tomid or a Reiya? Would it have been a voluntary offering and bulls, or would it have been the Tomid and Kvosim? You can explain that away, because remember, they didn't necessarily have all the details. They might have only had some of the points, so they wouldn't have known that it can't be a bull. Or, up to, or yeah, only when they found out it had to be a bull, would it be a bull? But again, so if someone takes a vow that I'll bring the same korban as the re'ia, what animal is he referring to? And so what's the answer? Is it, was, is bulls going on the whole pasuk, the oilus as well, or just on the shlamim? Moran's teiku, he leaves it unresolved. So let me just ask you, so how would you fulfill that neder then? You'd probably have to bring both and say, if... The oilers they brought were bulls, then this is it. This is to fulfill that neder. And if the oiler is, uh, was, if the, if the animal they brought was a lamb, well, here's a lamb. That, that would be my, off the cuff, that's what I would think. Okay, and we'll leave it there for today.